I'm Rabbi Jeremy Marquise, and this is the Rabbinic Journey Podcast. Hey, everybody. I am uh, going to offer some learning for uh, the month of Elul that's coming. And I wanted to do a little Facebook Live, just checking it up on my phone here so that I can follow along if any of you have comments. Uh, we're going to learn uh, the very first chapter of uh, Hilchot Tshuva from the Mishnah Torah. Uh, that is the Rambam, Maimonides. And in his opus of Halakha, of Jewish law, he totally reimagined and re-understood how uh, Jewish law should work. And I thought it would be nice to, uh, in anticipation for holidays, even though Elul hasn't started yet, I thought it would be good to get a, a head start with real life kind of likely to get in the way. We would learn at least the first chapter. It's only for um, halachot. And so I hope that uh, this will bring you value and we'll do a little learning together. So we'll get started. Um, I'm going to read it in Hebrew and translate it. And uh, you have the translation here. And I encourage you to go to Safaria, this incredible website, to, um, to follow along on your own or do your own learning. There are lots of books with commentaries. Uh, a lot that you can to do to, to access this text. Okay, let's get started. Kol mitzvot shebetorah ben ase ben lo tase im avar adam al achat mehem ben bezadon ben bishkagat kshe yase tshuva v'yashuv micheito chayav litvadot lifnei ha'el baruchu. So, all commandments in the Torah, whether or not they are uh, a positive commandment here has mandatory and prohibitive. So something where we're being told, yes, do this, or no, don't do this. That is a positive commandment versus a negative commandment. If a person uh, transgresses one of these mitzvahs, whether intentionally or unintentionally, zadon is intentional, bishogeg uh, or bishgagai here is by accident. If that person does teshuva, which I'm going to try not to translate, it's often translated as repent or return. Um, I, I like the word resolve. In any case, if a person does teshuva and does this act, you know, away from their sin, that person is obligated to do a verbal uh, confession before God. That's the, the starting place for all of this. And here we get a quote from the book of Numbers, uh, two verses which, which help kind of found this, uh, this idea. Ish o isha ki yasu v'gomer. So, a, uh, whether a person, a person, when a person, male or female, commits a sin, and then the next verse, and there's some parts in between there, v'it vadu et chatatam asher asu, and then it goes on some more. So if we, I can actually show it right here, open it up on Safari. Um, on the right here, you'll see the, these texts. So, and ignore the, the left two sides because it's all jumbled because of the sizing. Uh, so God tells Moses in the book of Numbers, when a person commits any wrong towards another person and therefore breaks faith and realizes their guilt, in the second verse, that person shall yitvadu et chatatam. They shall confess the wrong that they have done. Okay, I'm going to close this so that we can see it, oh, and we'll rearrange this English here so everybody can get caught up. So when this person um, confesses their, that they are required to confess their sin, 
And, and not only that, but this is what the Rambam says here. We're in the fourth line in the Hebrew on the left and about halfway through in the English. Zet vidui devarim. This is a confession of words, right? It has to be out loud, verbally, uh, that kind of confession. All right, we're going on. I'll scroll this up so everybody can follow along in both. In fact, it's not just that you shouldn't sin, but doing this kind of confession actually is a positive commandment into itself. It's something desirable. You want to do that. How is it that someone does this type of verbal um, confession? It's a reasonable question. We, we're now, whenever I do, I do something wrong, I have to then do tshuva as well as verbally um, confess. The reasonable question is, okay, how do I even do that? Omer, Ana Hashem chatati aviti pashati lefanecha. So that person should say, please, God, I beseech thee is here, is the way it's translated. You know, divine one, I've sinned, I have been obstinate, I have done something profane before you. Va'asiti kach v'kach v'hare nichamti u'voshti b'ma'asai u'le'olam e'ni chozer l'davarzeh. I have done this and this, and I have repented, and I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed of my actions, and I will never do this thing again. So there's two really important points. One, a part of the verbal confession is, is very much naming every little thing you've done. It's not enough to say, you know, I did the wrong thing. You have to name what the wrong thing is. You know, I got angry and I said the wrong thing. I, I said this and this, and that hurt their feelings. Being very specific makes a difference here. The second part is that you're, you're swearing and you're saying that you're never going to do it again. So it's easy to say, you know, I did the wrong thing, even if I was specific, but to then to really commit to saying, and I will never do this again. We say this all the time, uh, but here it's very specific as to, as to the important parts of what a confession is. Moving on, Vizeu Ikaro shall be doing. This is the essence of uh, a confession of a vidui. Vachol hamarbe litvadot umarich mishubach. So any any person who expands on this, who elaborates this on this, that person is praiseworthy. So not only is it good to name specifically all the things that you've done wrong as part of the confession, but to be really, really intentional and being specific and really going into going deep into naming all of these things makes uh, the biggest, biggest difference. Okay. And also, Okay, so in the Torah, when someone does something wrong, the appropriate response is giving a, an offering, putting a, a, a sacrifice together. And what, what the Rambam is saying here is this is also the case with these kinds of offerings, whether you did it accidentally or intentionally, when you bring them, they don't do the job of atoning, I don't like the word, but to, uh, to resolve these, these, this issue, 
until you've done shuva and confessed, which is pretty powerful. We're given these tools, these rituals, these technical uh, systems, and they don't work without shuva and confession. So that's that's really core and really essential to understanding. Shana'a mar, because of course we need proof from a verse. V'hid vada asher chatat aleha. And this person shall confess that they have sinned on that thing, aleha, over the sacrifice, but it's that they did vidui, that they did uh, this verbal confession. V'chen, and also, kol mechuyavei mitot beit din they malkot ain mit kaper lahen bemitatan o bili bil ki yatan achi asuchu vavitvadu. So any right, this is true as well with the person who has done something that is that brings them into the liability of death by tribunal. Meaning, I've done something so awful that the appropriate punishment is death and not a sacrifice, or I have done something that the appropriate response is being uh, lashed, you know, struck with a whip. That punishment, even though it is so severe, it doesn't do it unless uh, they have done tshuva. They've promised that they're never going to do it again. They've done all the recompense, which this whole, not this chapter, but in the chapters to come, will really go and explain how that works. Unless you've done tshuva and uh, confessed, these punishments don't solve it, doesn't resolve it. There's still work left to be done. So let's say it's something that's less severe, right? Or I've, I've injured someone accidentally, or off, it's awful to say, or on purpose. Or let's say I hit somebody's car and now I owe them money, even though. I have my, I might have paid them what I've what I'm liable for and what they're obligated to. It doesn't count. I haven't done the work to be atoned until I've confessed and promised never to do it again. Right? So let's say I did something where I hit somebody's car, I was really mad, I was had road rage, not that you should ever do this. I'm not I, I'm not a person uh, who has this kind of road rage, and I ram into someone in the back of their car, and let's say I paid them, but I I didn't really do the work inside to say, you know, it's probably not a healthy way of responding to anger on the road. Um, if Unless I've done the work to say, you know, I did something awful, I hit someone's car intentionally, until that work has been done, it doesn't matter that I paid and I did all the financial work. I haven't really done the work to do tshuva and to, um, to do the confession. And the proof comes from a verse in Numbers that we already saw before, Mikol Chatot Adam, of all the sins that a person does. So going back to the verse above. I think it's really powerful to recognize the, the important difference in the different pieces of what doing the right thing is. Some of it is, I uh, need to promise not to do it again. Some of it is making recompense. Maybe it's a payment or something like that. And also that I need to have done something in my heart and said it out loud and really done some work to make it happen. Okay, moving on to halakha number two of the first chapter. Sa'ir hamishtaleach lifi shehu kapara al kol Yisrael kohen gadol mitvadeh alav al lashon kol Yisrael. So here it's translated as the Azazel goat, but the, there's a uh, ritual in which on Yom Kippur, 
there are two goats, one of them which is sent out, the other is sacrificed. The one that's sent out, Sa'ir Mishtaleach, which is the literal translation, that goat is often, uh, in the Torah it said that that goat is sent to Azazel, um, and so that's why the translation is. So that goat, um, wor- you know, that goat which fulfills the ritual tool of doing atonement, where the high priest confesses all, for Israel in this, the way that Israel does it, onto this goat, and here's the proof from the verse, v'itvada alav et kol avonot b'nei Israel. So, and this, and the priest confesses over the goat all of the iniquities or sins of the children of Israel. So that this goat actually has the power to atone for all the transgressions. Now, remember, we're in the temple time, so it's different than uh, today, which the, the text will go into, and even the Rambam didn't live in the time of the temple. That this goat has the ability to atone for every sin in the Torah, the light sins, the minor sins, and the major ones. Whether or not this person did it intentionally or unintentionally, whether they did it, uh, whether they knew the sin that they were doing or they didn't know the sin they were doing, all of these things can be atoned for with this uh, goat. For this, specifically for the person who did the tshuva work. Without the tshuva work, this goat doesn't really uh, count. It doesn't make it work. Aval, im lo asa tshuva, if that person didn't do tshuva, ein hasa'ir mechaper lo ela al hakalot. So the person who didn't do tshuva, this process doesn't work unless it's in this category of light sins. So if you imagine for the moment, there are all these sins stacked up on top of each other in different different ways uh, of various severity. So if you imagine the serious ones are higher than the less serious ones, you know, there, there's those, and we'll see in a second, those in which you're liable for death is at the top, and then those who are liable for kari, which uh, is translated as excision, but really spiritual, kick, being kicked out by God spiritually, um, those things are the highest severity. Everything else is a, is a a call, a light sin, not really, but in terms of the categorization, that this goat being sent out has the ability only to resolve uh, the light sins if they didn't do the tshuva process. And so you might ask, okay, what falls into this category of a light sin versus a more serious one? And that's the question that the Rambam is, is going to answer. Umahen hakalot, umahen hachamurot, or which ones are the light ones and the, the serious ones? Hachamurot hen shechayavin alehem mitat beit din o kare. So the serious ones are those two categories I just mentioned, the ones that are liable for death and the ones that have the spiritual being kicked out uh, by God. Ushvuat shav, and everything else presumably would be then a light sin, except for the exception we're about to get. Ushvuat shav vasheker afal pishahen she'en bahen so, things like uh, making a promise in vain, or, or you're swearing on God's name in vain, and, or, and the category of lying, those things are technically minor, 
but really are being treated like major sins. So it's a technical categorization kind of thing, but it's good to recognize that those two big things don't fall into the category of, of they do fall into the category of serious, even though they're not technically that in that way. Usha'ar mitzvot lo so everything else, whether they're positive or negative commandments, if they don't fall into the category of karet or uh, death, uh, death being obvious, but of karet, those are considered light sins. So, I mean, for us to really understand, okay, what's a light sin, what's a serious sin in our own lives? I, we might say, other than swearing on God's name or making promises that we, we can never keep or lying, I would say if we were to put things in categories, everything we do would fall into this kalot, this easy uh, sin. But I think it's important to recognize that even though it might be in the category of a light sin, in truth, a sin is a sin. The, the, when you do something wrong, it's still wrong, no matter which way you measure it. I, it's something I, I have to still deal with and figure, figure out how to, how to understand. Okay, moving on to the third halakha. Oop. No, we're not going to share that. I'm just going to read it. Close that up. Okay. A little safari uh, action going on here. Okay. Third halakha. Bizman hazeh, right? So we, that was in the category, the, the situation in which we were, um, had the temple standing, which is not true now. The Rambam is going to resolve that. Bizman hazeh, she'en beit hamikdash kayam. So in a time where the temple is not standing like today and like a thousand years ago when the Rambam wrote this. The Ein Lanu Mizbach Kapara, we don't have this altar in which to do atonement. Ein Sham Ela Tshuva. There is no other option other than doing Tshuva. Meaning to say that all of that stuff with the goat, which is good in terms of understanding the Jewish tradition and, and how things have been, the, what we understand is there's nothing left in terms of process other than tshuva, which on one side you could say is really sad, we've lost this major portion. On the other hand, where I live with this is, that's amazing, like we have a real tool here. That tool is a serious one, is a challenging one. Uh, it, it can't just be resolved with uh, a sacrifice, which of course the Rambam said, but here uh, it's good to review again, tshuva is the tool we have left for us. Okay, now I'm in the third line in the Hebrew and uh, in the fourth line in English. Hachuva mechaperet al kol ha'averot. Chuva retones or resolves all types of sins. Afilu rasha kol yamav va'asa chuva va'achrona. So even in a person who does just evil every single day of their life, if they did chuva, now, when we, again, once again, we're talking about real serious chuva all the pieces of really making atonement and, and not atonement, but resolving all of the problems and confessing all of those things in the last second, if that person who did evil all, all their life did the last second, we don't remind that person of any, any aspect of their evil. It's as if they're a different person, right? They, even though if I've done, I live a hundred years, I, I do evil every single day of my life, but on the last day, I, I say to myself, you know, in real seriousness, and I confess, I'm never going to do these things again. They were awful. I, 
there's just, they are the worst things about myself and I'm never going to do them. And that's it. And it's real. Then they're as if a different person. They, we don't remind them of all the awful things because that wasn't them. Now, there are some real issues with that in terms of, well, how do we punish people in real life today? But I, but I think, but I think that the statement still stands, which is that there's always a chance. There's always a chance to do tshuva, always a, an opportunity, even to the last day, to, to make a resolution. And here we get a quote from the book of Ezekiel. So the the wickedness, the evil that that person does is not a, that person, that doesn't prevent them on the day of their, uh, on that day when they want to turn Shuv'o, coming from Shuva, from their evil. Meaning to say, right, Yikashol, Yikashel, excuse me, comes from the word, you know, it's the same word as Mikshol, a stumbling block, right? We, we know from the Torah, we don't put a stumbling block before the blind. Here, that the evil that I've done in my past isn't a stumbling block if I'm really going to do tshuva, which is powerful. It's just a powerful thing to know in your heart if you're really going to do it. And that for those who do this work, right, that even the Day of Atonement itself does helps you, meaning it only works for those people who have done tshuva. Right, and we have a verse to prove this. Ki And on this day, in the day of Yom Kippur, the priest will make atonement for you. So, just to kind of quickly review, tshuva is the only thing we have left in terms of this process, and it's only and all these other things about uh, Yom Kippur or whatever, which we're going to get to in a minute. Um, tshuva is still the the primary tool. That none of that other stuff works unless you've done tshuva. Okay, the final section, a little confusing. Um, the final section of this first chapter, this, first, this last halacha, halacha 4, says the following. So, even though tshuva does this process of atoning for every sin, Yom Kippur also has this power to, uh, to atone, to resolve these sins. Yesh averot shehem meets there are types of sins that are immediately removed from you, and there are types of sins that actually take time to uh, to be wiped away, to be resolved. Kate said, how, how does this work? For example, Avar Adam al Mitzvat Asay, so a person who transgresses a positive commandment, here it's translated as mandatory, but a positive commandment, and it's not in this category of being kicked out by God, and they've done tshuva, they, they do tshuva, they, they don't move from the place until they, uh, they are forgiven. Meaning to say that they, if they are right there and they're doing tshuva, that there is a, a that person is forgiven immediately. That's that my commentary said that. So I, I think it's very confusing, but to say that they don't move from there until they're forgiven means to say that they're forgiven immediately because they're going to move right afterwards. So this is only for a person who sinned against a positive commandment uh, that isn't in the karate category. So it's not at the, the top two tiers. And 
Of this, it is said in the book of Jeremiah, Shuvu banim shovavim erpa mishuvotechem. Return those, uh, return you backsliding children, I will heal your backslidings. Meaning to say that there, that this, the healing is happening right then and there. Right, that you're, it's happening immediately. Okay, the next category. Avar al mitzvat lo ta'aseh. If they transgress a lo ta'aseh, a do not mitzvah, that isn't she'en ba'akharet, is not in the category of excision, of being kicked out by God. Velo mitat be'din, it's not liable, you're not liable for death if you do it. Va'asa tshuva, and you did tshuva. Tshuva tola v'yom ha'kipurim mechaper. Meaning to say, that if you're in this category, if you do something that you're not supposed to do, and it's not of these awful categories, or the, the most significant categories, your real serious tshuva work, uh, you're, you're put in like a, a, a neutral area, middle ground, a purgatory, if you will, not really, but let's use the word, then Yom Kippur seals the deal, right? Your, your paperwork is submitted, but it's not uh, considered, you know, it's pending until Yom Kippur. So those things work in tandem. Tandem, and here we have a verse again to prove ourselves. Because on this day you are atoned. So there's some sort of push-pull there in this category of sin. All right, moving along. Avar al umitot If that person sinned uh, in the the two most serious categories, one where you're going to be kicked out by God, karet. Or you've done something that you'd be liable for death, and you really did tshuva. Vasa tshuva, tshuva v'yom kippurin tolin. So this tshuva and yom kippur, you're put in pending mode. V'yisurin habain alav gomrin lo hakapara, and then suffering the suffering that comes to you, um, that that seals the deal. That moves you from you know you've paid your dues um, from pending. Now the question of what does the suffering really look like, or what does it mean, or who does it come from? All really good questions, and I don't have answers for them. But I think, I think for me, if you've done tshuva and you just sit there and you're still guilty and it hurts, and and maybe that punishment is not from the outside but from the inside, uh, I think that is is the essence here, which is that that really does it. The, the idea of doing it again brings you so much pain that you've really done, you've really gotten it resolved. You, you can move, it can be, you can be moved forward in life. And the last part here is uleolam ein mikaper lo kaparag mura achiavu alav yisurin, and here it adds that that um, no atonement can happen for that person until that suffering happens. So I think that really what we're talking about is a type of really painful guilt that that prevents you from ever doing it again. In addition to the, the promise to yourself, and here's the verse to prove it: uveelu netmar. U fakadzi b'shevet pisham uvin ga'im avonam, where in the translation here it says, "Then will I visit their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with uh, strokes," meaning to say that there is a relationship between doing this transgression and being visited by God and and, and feeling pain and being and suffering. So, I think what we're talking about here really is is a type of of guilt. Okay. Last section here. What? This is, that's a, a nice technical term. It says, okay, what are the kinds of things we're even talking about here? Right? What are we talking about? 
So a person who does not uh, take God's name in vain in terms of the transgression that they did, the moment of their transgression, but does does ultimately blaspheme or, or say God's name in vain, um, but did but uh, that had done tshuva, even though they had done tshuva, yom and and yom kippur came, omed and they're standing in this set, in this capacity where they've really done tshuva, and yom kippur has come, uvau alav yisurin, and they they have received these uh, these pains, this suffering, eno mitkaper lo ad shiamut. That this person actually doesn't resolve their their atonement is not complete until they've died, and I think that there's some truth to that in the sense if you've done something so wrong and you've done shuva and you are suffered with guilt and pain and suffering as a result of that, that stuff doesn't ever go away, and it's really upon your death that ends up being resolved. So I think there's some truth to it. Uh, if we don't think of it necessarily in a really technical way, but just in terms of what, it, what that really feels like. Ella tshuva yom hakipurim v'yisirin shalash tan tolin umita mechaperet. So here, John, make this into a principle. Rather, we should understand the tshuva, yom hakipur, and uh, this kind of suffering, the three of them together, hold you in this pending mode, in this sense that you haven't been fully uh, atoned for, but you've done everything you possibly could do. Death actually solves it, and, and I don't, and I don't think that means like a premature death. I mean that when you naturally die, that's when everything gets paid up and and everything becomes evened out. And here are the two proofs from verses. Oop, lost uh, our English here. Um, here at the bottom, our two verses are. Shinat uh, Mar, as it is said in the verse, Vinigla Baoznai. Hashem Tzvaot, that it was revealed in my ears by God, the Lord of hosts. That this iniquity will not be resolved, cleaned, yichaper, atoned for, until Tmutun uh, comes from the word, uh, same as mitot, or met from death. So we have this understanding that death really does have this solving thing, but not in a premature sense, that, you know, it's held waiting for you until the time that you die. So I think, at least for this first chapter, I'll come back again with the other chapters, the, the essential piece is this. Tshuva is a process that requires someone to really name, to really confess their sins. And that in the end, that's the primary tool we have to fix the things that we've done wrong. Even if we've done physical recompense and we've paid them back, even if we've uh, had Yom Kippur, in the end, doing the real work is, I think, the hardest part and, and the most powerful part of this in terms of bringing us back to a neutral state, to bringing us back from the kinds of people we were when we did bad things to the people we want to be, where, we do, where we're always striving to do the right thing. Okay, it was nice learning with you. I'll see you sometime soon when we do the next chapter. Have a great day.
Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for giving me your time and your attention. For listening to the Rabbinic Journey podcast, it means so much to me. I really, really appreciate it. If you feel like I gave you some value, please subscribe. Give me a rating on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. Thank you. Thank you.